Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Tracks of Life, episode three. We have made it we got three there. weeks, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so corny doing that. I man. know, right? <laughs> Who we got, got a, this week, man? Who we, we got? We got a good one. Yeah. I'm, I'm quite familiar with the gentleman. You know him. I did. How long would you say you know him? Um, all of me. Okay. All of you from yeah. beginning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's my dad. Dr. Phil. It is. You know, I never know what to call him when he's around, Jordan. It's like... <laughs> Mr. McGraw, Dr. Phil, Pops. You know Day. what? Pump, pump the brakes because Fabian, I can tell you one one thing. It isn't Mr. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, Amazing. We, we learned some good stuff about him. Yeah, I learned some did. things I didn't know, which is, you know, always fun. Man, he's, listen, he's been through a lot. Yeah. He's a tough dude. Yeah. Wow, man. Unbelievable. It, it made me respect him a lot more. Oh, yeah. Unbelievable. Not man. me. No, huh? No? <laughs> I can't tell him that. His head. <laughs> yeah, He's got what? a big enough head already. We'll edit that. We'll edit that. Don't worry about it. All right. Let's just get to it. Mm, tracks of Life, man. Episode three. Follow along on the playlist. A lot of good songs. Check it out. Boom. I should make a public service <clears throat> announcement, though, <laughs> that you can't play the fucking radio or clap on beat or sing. Well, that's true. Yeah. yeah. I can play a radio if it's got a big on-off knob. Sure. Yeah, and that's and presets. Yeah, presets. That yeah. somebody has to set for it. You you can't preset it. Yeah. No, I can't. Well, I can't ever get them. I can preset them, but they don't ever call up the same station every time <laughs> yeah. I, I think they call it not working. Yeah. yeah. But you know, as much as you joke about that, the fact of the matter is, in high school, I made my living by recording music making mixtapes for people and installing stereos and speakers in their cars. C- come on. No, that's what I did. Mixtape. He was the mixtape mix guy? Yeah. No, I was. And, of course, that was stealing music, I guess. Right. And back then, nobody ever brought that up. Right. Nobody ever thought about that. But I had a Fisher, I had a Fisher reel-to-reel tape recorder, uh-huh. and that was when uh, FM radio first came into being. Okay. So what I would do is at night when they had FM, the DJ would say like five words all night because he'd be like really cool. He'd say, yeah, this is Bob Collins and we're playing music. And uh-huh. he'd turn it on. And he wouldn't say anything until like 6 a.m. Uh-huh. And they would play the song. So I would just hit record and it would play all these songs through the night. Then you'd have every song. Sure. And then so I'd get people and they'd give me a list of what they wanted and I would take that and play it onto a first four track, and then it became eight track. Wow. With four track, you had two choices. You had A and B, and with eight track, you had four choices. Right. And so I would make them four track and eight track tapes and sell it to them. Four track for five bucks and eight track for eight? No, you, well, I got like five, ten bucks, depending on what it was. And then they would also come and say, okay, we I want a stereo in my car, so... I would go buy like a Pioneer 8-track or 4-track and put it in their car and install the speakers and run the wires under the door thresholds and everything. I was the install guy. Who knew? Yeah. I Who knew? I, had, <laughs> I didn't know. That's crazy. No, I, I did still, that I wouldn't trust you to touch my stereo now, though. That's for sure. And like, that's when Mustangs came out. Yeah. The Ford Mustang, like 65s. And in the back... Mustangs didn't have a frame under them at all. They were just sitting on four wheels. People uh-huh. didn't know that. But in the back... In the back seat, it was just a piece of metal across the back. There was no, like, padding or anything. It was just a piece of metal. So I had to get a drill that was, like, five inches around, actually five and a quarter, uh-huh. and would have to drill a five and a quarter inch hole through steel. Through steel to put the speaker. So I could put the speaker in there. <laughs> but once you had that bitch in there. Yeah, it was on. You it was rocking. in. Yeah. You could put a big magnet with a lot of bass in there. Yeah. So I'd put one on each side. Who it knew? Was, this, yeah. is wild. this is wild, man. It had huge had magnets. No you could, I mean, that thing would just vibrate. You run out of gas, you could just turn up the bass and, <laughs> and just vibrate home. <laughs> so wow. you single-handedly ruined like 100 classic cars. Exactly. Exactly, but let me tell you, they never had to replace a speaker. Yeah, for sure. 
And then he gave him something to play on the speaker. Did you know at the time that like 65 Mustangs would be like the shit in the future? No idea. But I will say this. It, when it came out, everybody knew that was the car. Yeah. (laughs) There was nothing before that that was iconic. And when that came out, a yellow Ford Mustang with black interior, hard top, that was the car. That's the car everybody wanted. Cost about $3,000. (laughs) I feel like I could, well, it's probably the yeah. same as then, but I couldn't pick one car now that's going to be classic. Mm-mm. No. Mm-hmm. No, there's so many now. I mean, there's so many different makes and models. But back then, there was there was Ford, Chevy, Buick, Oldsmobile. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much it. Yeah. I guess Ferraris. Like now, I guess, a, well. Oh, wait, well. Rolls Royce. I mean, there's a couple of cars that like Escalade defined like those few years. Remember, a few years yeah. ago, everybody had an Escalade. Well, at least everybody in hip hop yeah, had an now, Escalade. Like, yeah. like Camaros, they make Camaros to look like that Camaro. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. the Camaros now can't be the classic. Six, was that 69, 70? Was that that was the year of the Camaro, right? That was like the hot one, 69, yeah. 70. Yeah. yeah, the Firebirds uh-huh. with the big bird on the yeah. hood and everything. But yeah, I mean, we had Plymouth and Dodge, but I mean, that's pretty, you had five or six makes and that was it. Yeah, yeah. Now it's what, 30? Oh, yeah, easy. Yeah. Easy. They all make fast cars, but they're not. <laughs> no, because no, and even back then too, like 150 horsepower was a lot of horsepower. Now it's like if you don't have 500, <laughs> you're like it's nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah, and we made money racing too because then if you had a 327, 375 horse, mm-hmm. that was a big that was a deal. Beast, that was yeah. a hot shot car, yeah. and you could get that in a Chevy Nova two, mm-hmm. which was a small body. Yeah. With a lot of horsepower in it, we'd get cheater slicks and put them on the back. Anything you could get under the wheel wells and go out and drag race for money with with the mixtapes playing. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) I mean, some girls would want like uh, they'd want a tape with like the same song. Uh I want a I want a tape with Leader of the Pack Uh nineteen times. (laughs) Yeah, because because it's not like now. Because listen. I'm guilty of listening to the same yeah. few songs. So it's kind of like, now you could just hit yeah, back. We you know? have repeat, we have <laughs> yeah, repeat, but then they'd yeah. have to rewind it. That's kind of awesome, though. We should just put CDs out now with one song on them. <laughs> one over song and over, over and over. Yeah, exactly. It's 30 like minutes. Kanye thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we didn't have any repeat then, so you just had to put it on there yeah. 10 times. Wow. Yeah. What was your song? What? What was your song? See that transition? Yeah, I heard good. that transition. That well, you, see, you have to understand, I have to explain this so it doesn't just, just seem like I'm schizophrenic. You have to understand, I lived during one of the biggest transitions in music Mm -hmm. in history because during the 60s, so this is during the time I was in school, in the first part of the 60s up until probably, oh, I don't know, maybe Mm mid-66, it was pretty much Mm doo-wop and that sort of thing. And then all of a sudden, people discovered grass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it switched. Then all of a sudden, you had Janis Joplin, yeah. Jefferson Airplane, Steppenwolf, Led Zeppelin. Man. So you went from Love and Spoonful playing, you know, really, do you believe in magic, right. to Steppenwolf, Magic Carpet Ride, uh-huh. and Led Zeppelin. Uh, all of these, I mean, music made a huge change. So when you talk about the 60s, you went from Motown Mm -hmm. to Led Zeppelin in like six months. Right. Huge change overnight. That's cool. That was probably amazing to experience. It it really was a a big deal because you'd have some radio stations playing early 60s and Mm -hmm. some playing, you know, current or late 60s. And it was like, what happened? Yeah. Wow. That was probably really cool, man. Yeah, know, right? huge deal. Because uh-huh. my father was a singer, doo-wop. So I'm real familiar. And then like, and you're right, because then you then you go into the next thing and there's like all these different bands. But then the doo-wop guys, it's very... I wish I could have seen a doo-wop concert. Just the like choreographed dance moves and the... They still do it. I'll bring you. We'll go. <laughs> but not, it's different. You know, not, now they're all, now they could all barely move, but they still do it. <laughs> yeah, there was also a change in audiences because if you look back in Buddy Holly and even the early days of uh, the the Four Seasons and mm-hmm. all, people were sitting in auditorium seats 
at concerts. It'd be like yeah. a gym at assembly uh-huh. where there was auditorium seats and people were sitting in the seats and maybe occasionally they would stand up and clap. Yeah, but that, that was, was it. Right. <laughs> but that was, that was it. Yeah, you're there to listen. You're sitting down. It's very, yeah. yeah I mean, you're there. There's just... Yeah, great. Thank Next song. Next selection. Like next that. selection. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next band, please. Yeah. And that and that was it. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden, people discover grass and the music changes. And now they started having the concerts outside. Uh-huh. And people were like camping out overnight. Yeah. And they were staying there. And bands were playing for six hours oh and my God. stuff like <laughs> I can't that. Imagine. And Iron Butterfly comes along with Inagata DeVita. And it lasts for like two hours in one song they're playing. And, you know, people are like taking their clothes off and running around. And these are the same people that were sitting in those auditorium chairs six months ago. And their (laughs) parents, so parents are freaking. They're like, what the hell happened? You know, somebody put something in the water? Right. Yeah. And the answer is yes. (laughs) Yes, Yes, they did. Yeah. Yeah. That's why everybody says, if you remember the 60s, you weren't there. Uh, uh, (laughs) Yeah. Get it. So anyway, back to your song. Well, you want songs that I'd define for me what you want, and your listeners probably need to hear this occasionally anyway. Yeah. Well, I think our like our mission statement kind of thing, whatever you want to call it, it wasn't a memo, it was a mission statement. Mission statement. That's our mission. Yeah. We basically, we had the conversation that we wanted to have with people at dinner one night, which was basically just the songs that you make memories out of, or that the songs that are the soundtrack to the <clears throat> memories you made. Because you can be in a car and hear people like hear a song, and all of a sudden there's four people in the car that aren't there. Mm-hmm. The smells different, the weather's different. Yeah. yeah, so it's 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 the moment, or you know maybe something that made you like your defining moment. Your defining moments. The soundtrack to your defining moments. <laughs> yeah, that's very funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <clears throat> like when you first wanted to do yoga, <laughs> you know things of that nature. Now, a, a big one for me, uh, I have to tell you, and there's a story that goes along with it, and you have to understand, for me, music is really um, an emotional thing because uh, I was listening to you guys talking about your podcast before it came out, mm-hmm. and you were talking about how emotion travels in time, mm-hmm. and that's really true. You know, you can forget things intellectually, but when you hear music, it does cause you to emote. Mm -hmm. And that takes you back to a time. And one of the songs for me uh, was For What It's Worth by Buffalo Springfield. Mm -hmm. And um, that song, everybody knows. I mean, you hear the first note of that song. Everybody can, you know, it's like name that tune. Mm -hmm. One note, you can name that tune. Totally. And We call that a crowd goes woo moment when we're writing. You hear and, one note and then the crowd goes woo. I don't call it that, but, but yeah, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. And um, hip hop guys don't say nah, that. That's no, not no? a thing. Th- that song, it, it the publication says it came out in February of '67. It actually came out in December of '66, I think. But mm-hmm. uh, at, at the time, uh, I was a, a junior in high school, and this was a time that you know, sadly, we were having um, a lot of racial tension in Kansas City where I was going to high school at the time and I was working in downtown Kansas City at night I worked at Hallmark Cards from 4 to midnight shift mm-hmm. and what the hell did you do at Hallmark Cards at Hallmark Cards my job they were really big into human resources at the time so they were have us come in and give us all these tests and then they would match the job to our personality and my job was to tear shit up. So uh, that says a lot about your personality. Yeah, test, yeah. exactly. They gave me... It says a lot about my childhood. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's one of the things where they give you an IQ test, you look up and everybody's looking around the corner. Right. <laughs> like, he's the guy third from the left. Yeah. Uh, and my job was to take a three-pound sledgehammer and they print the Hallmark cards from what they call dies. They're these real hard things that they put in a printing press and then they run paper through there and, and print the cards mm-hmm. off of these dies. And they said, okay, your job is going to be to break these things up. And because people were stealing them and bootlegging cards, they would steal the die uh-huh. and then they would go run oh, the cards yeah, and we... sell them for half price. Uh-huh. <laughs> Bootleg Hallmark cards. Yeah, exactly. And they would sell them for half price. So 
They said, we have to destroy these things so people can't steal them. And I thought, God, how many can they have? I mean, really? It's going to be my job? Uh, they had like five warehouses, a block each size, floor to ceiling of these things stacked <laughs> wow. up. Wow. They were about the size of a, of a five by eight card. Wow. And so I had to put them on the corner of a dumpster and hit them with a three-pound sledgehammer to break them. So that was your job? That was my job. Four to midnight. Yeah, and they said, we're going to put you in a warehouse by yourself because it's really noisy, and you're not going to have any supervision, so you're mature enough to work without supervision, aren't you? And I'm of like, course. I can't believe you even asked me <laughs> <Right>. that. <laughs> the guy you're giving a sledgehammer right. to? Of yeah. course. I can't believe you even asked me that. So, so four to midnight by yourself. With a sledgehammer, with a sledgehammer. <laughs> in an empty yeah. warehouse. Yeah, so the guy's gone like five minutes. I had a buddy come down. We start building a hot rod. <laughs> so we'd load the trunk up with these dies and haul them off and <laughs> throw them in gutters and everything <laughs> so they couldn't tell how many we right. broke. exactly. So anyway, we get off at midnight, and they're rioting in the streets oh, wow. in Kansas City, and so we can't leave. Mm-hmm. They're, ca- they're, they're having fires. They're starting fires or reporting fires, both, mm-hmm. and calling the fire firemen. And then when the fire truck pulls up, they'd shoot the firemen off the trucks. Jeez, wow. It was horrible. So it wasn't safe to be in the streets at all. No. Yeah. So we get off at midnight. So we go up on top of the building watching because we can't leave. So we get on top of the building and so we're watching all these people in the streets. And I had mixed tapes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you were the guy. Yeah. So I, I'm playing this tape, and we were playing for what it's worth. Uh-huh. And, you know, it's you listen to the lyrics of the song, you know, thousand people in the streets. Yeah. And we're sitting there playing this song over and over and watching these people running wild in the streets. And I, I just, that became thematic for me. And, you know, I didn't know at the time that that song was written about the Sunset Strip and a curfew on Sunset Strip. Uh Uh, But it became uh, a real war protest song for Vietnam, of course. Well, sure, yeah. But we were listening listening to it. And I remember sitting there because I went to a school that was probably 40% uh, black and 60% other, you Mm -hmm. know, Caucasian or other. And, you know, growing up in athletics, you really become colorblind very early. Because mm-hmm. um, you're on a team. Those are your buddies. Everybody's yeah, it's mean, just, yeah. Yeah, you're in the trenches. With these, you learn right fast. There's right. no difference between anybody. Right, this guy's got your back. I got my back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm sitting there watching this, and it was the first time that I think I really had a social awakening because I'd really never thought about it before much because I just grew up in athletics, and we were all the same, and mm-hmm. I, I never really thought about that. Right. And I'm sitting there listening to this song, and it was the first time I really became aware that I had a social responsibility. Mm-hmm. And uh, and some of the guys that I worked with were from the inner city on the Kansas City, Missouri side, and I lived in Johnson County on the Kansas side, which was you know kind of a white suburb, and you know, we'd sit there and talk about it mm-hmm. and, you know, listen to this song playing. And that was really kind of a social awakening for me. And I, I remember that song. It was it was kind of a maturity moment for me, a maturity time for me, and I've never forgotten that. Oh, wow. Because yeah. you're looking at the... You're, 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 you're listening to the song, but you're experiencing... You're look, it's like you're visually seeing the song <laughs> yeah. while you're listening to it. Yeah, and then... Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, and of course, the lyrics were describing something else, but right. you apply them to your life. Right, that's what music does in yeah. general. Yeah, yeah. everybody, everybody, has everybody a finds their own meaning. Right. right. It's one of my favorite things about songs is if you have a conversation with somebody about a song that you love, unless it's you know a pretty clear, shallow meaning, you right. can usually find about a dozen different meanings for the same oh, song. And, it, and, and you like pick out your favorite part, and that's what defines the whole meaning to you. And then yeah. somebody else is like, no, 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 but the chorus. Right, right, exactly. The chorus. Right, yeah. No, so that was a big thing for me, and, and it's funny. Even today, I'll hear that song, and bang, it takes me back to those nights because it wasn't just one night. Those nights that we would sit up there, wishing we could go home, mm-hmm. and but it became kind of a became kind of a 
focus group, kind of a therapy group, kind of a, a time we would sit there and, because we were from different walks of life. And like I say, some of my buddies were on the other side of those lines. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there talking to them. They had a completely different point of view. Sure. Than I had. Yeah. And, is, this, uh, is this when you lived with Hell's Angels? No, this was before that. Oh, okay. This was, this <laughs> Fabian's was, like, wait, <laughs> what? <laughs> what did I miss? Yeah, this is a little bit before that. Yeah. I'm Quentin Tarantinoing some of our conversations yeah. that might pop up. So this is now. Now we're talking. This is what six, you said. Sixty-seven, sixty-eight. This was sixty-seven. This right. was in like the the winter, February, March of sixty-seven. Yeah. Good Mustangs in that year too. Yeah, as well. yeah very good Mustangs yeah. in that year. Fastback. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He had one. Yeah. Recently. Yeah, I did. Like the yeah. Lucille. Lucille? Yeah, yeah from uh, Gone in 60 Seconds. That was Eleanor. But, but we'll pretend. Oh, Eleanor. Was Lucille. <laughs> <laughs> Eleanor. No, Lucille was a guitar. Yeah, and the bat from Walking Dead. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Lucille. Eleanor, that's right. Eleanor, yeah. You had an Eleanor? Yeah. I, you used to always play for what it's worth for me. Yeah. Anytime you were using an example of like, he, he, I think we, he, what you need here is a, like a strong bass line. Listen to this bass line. And you'd play that song. Yeah. So I'm very familiar with that song. But it's like more of an eye roll for me. Well, of course. Every time, every like, I mean, yeah. But, I know. but still, it's got me. Anybody else would it's take it. It's a good eye roll. Yeah, but it's, yeah. a, it's an endearing eye roll. Is it? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Actually, one, he mentioned the Hell's Angels. That's one of my other songs, which was, um, he thinks I'm all, he always says, you know, Dad, your oldies are getting old. Um <laughs> But uh, one one of my really really big songs uh, came from the end of '69, the beginning of '70, and that's when I was living with the Hell's Angels. Yeah, wow. And the song was "Ramble On" by Led Zeppelin. Oh, yeah, yeah that's a good one. And that's yeah. a great that's, song. That's, yeah. I wasn't around for that song, yeah. but I mean, I obviously know the song. But if I were to make up a memory it would be me sitting around a bunch of hell's angels it just has that vibe to it yeah and that song on the album uh the 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 first song on the album um uh, i never remember the exact names of the songs because you just you're listening to it but it was a whole lot of love Mm -hmm. and then ramble on the way they did that album, it morphed into that. You didn't know oh, when yeah. the one song ended, the yeah. other one started. Sure, yeah. yeah. There wasn't a clear cut between the two, uh-huh. and it seemed like it was not cut right and done wrong, right. but that became a signature for, sure. for those yeah. two. You couldn't separate them. That's so cool. Uh, but that was a great, great song. No, on me. But can oh, we, yeah. wait a minute, hold on. That's great, but yo, what were you doing living with Hell's Angels? <laughs> like, what's going on here? <laughs> well, how, does, how does this come to pass? <laughs> well, see, there was... A, th- th- this went on at, at a time when um, I was living, you know, by myself at a, at a young age, and uh, I was living in downtown Kansas City, and I was living in an apartment, sort of. Um, it was one room with a Murphy bed, mm-hmm. And for people that don't know, that's a bed that folds down out of the wall. (laughs) And when you get up, you fold it back up because if you don't, there's nowhere to stand. Right. And plus, you don't got to make your bed. You could just put it away. I mean, you're either laying down or standing up. There's there's nowhere else in there. And and there's no kitchen. There's just like a little cubby hole with like a hot plate in it. And then there's a bathroom, and then you're out in the hall. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just all there is. And this is like down at 27th and Bates. If anybody wants to go check out this story, uh, <laughs> which is downtown Kansas City, and it's just pretty rough. And this is um, uh, this street was a very rough street, and the Hell's Angels had a couple of these rooms downstairs okay and they lived down there and i think i was kind of like their um their mascot (laughs) 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 or whatever uh and i mean there were a lot of drunks and thugs and 
Yeah, it was a wild time. Muggers and yeah. stuff around there. And I was, I, you know, I was nice to these guys and stuff. They'd, they'd have a problem or something. You know, hey, can we plug something in? You know, yeah, sure, throw me up, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Throw it up, I'd plug it in. I uh, say that I, like you were nice by choice. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. I would not say no to those guys. Can we plug this in? <laughs> uh, yes, sir. Yeah. But, you know, I was always talking to them and stuff. And, you know, they, they, they thought I was, you know, the, some smart kid that lived down there and stuff. And so I'd talk to them a lot and everything. And they, they just got to like me. And it was like I had my own security force. Okay. <laughs> Nobody would jack with me oh, down yeah. there at all. They would be crazy, oh, too. Yeah. <laughs> they I killed mean, a guy at a Rolling Stones concert. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I, I'd come down there and somebody would be jacking with me on the street, some of these muggers and thieves down there. And all of a sudden, like three of these guys would like seemingly just come out of the hedge right. <laughs> and just say, hey, tell it walking, asshole. And that's and, it. And they just go away. I mean, they were really, my parents were like, I cannot believe you're living in this hellhole down right. there. And I'm like, trust me, <laughs> I'm I've never been safer right, right. Than, wow. in, than in my mother's lap. Wow. <laughs> Think about that. That's crazy. <laughs> it's like the it's like the Kansas City version of Goodfellas right. when the dude delivers the report card and they're like, see this kid? Yeah. No mail goes to his house from that school ever <laughs> yeah. again. In the oven you're going to yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> and there was this great restaurant on the corner. Uh, you, you went up to Main Street. At the end of, of 27th, it was at Main Street. And there, and there was this restaurant that had been there forever. It was this Italian restaurant. And I'd made friends with the guy that owned it or managed it. Whatever. He was the boss down there. And at the end of the night, he would give me whatever food they had left, which was a lot uh -huh. oftentimes out of the kitchen. Yeah. And it would be these big trays, like these banquet yeah. trays. And then I'd bring the trays back. Right. So I'd go down there and you know knock on the door and he'd say, hey, you know, come in, come in. And I'd talk to him and stuff. And he'd give me these big trays of food that I couldn't eat, you right. know. Yeah. So I'd get it, and I'd come down there and just set it and up. You don't for have a refrigerator guys. big enough to put <laughs> no, it. No, I didn't have a refrigerator yeah. at all. Yeah, so it's going to go bad. Let's share the, it with refrigerator, the, guys the refrigerator was your windowsill. <laughs> In the winter, you just put it on your windowsill. Sure. And so I would go down there and put these big banquet trays of stuff out there with like spaghetti bolognese and lasagna and stuff, and these guys are all chowing down. I mean, they love me, I'm telling sure. you. Oh, yeah, well, I mean, hey, what's not to love, right? You, you made mixtapes and were a caterer. And, yeah. and electrician. As well. electrician, yeah. yeah. And they love that. And so I, because I was, I did make these tapes and stuff, I, I had these speakers, and so we'd run the wires down out of the house and we'd set them up on the sidewalk down there. Uh -huh where they're working on their bikes and stuff. So we're playing music down there, and I've got this tape player up there. And so you, I had this, like I said, Fisher reel-to-reel, -reel, so you could play like six hours of music with no breaks. Yeah. And, you know, they'd love it. They'd set these speakers up down yeah. there, and we'd play this. and So the catering's covered, the DJ's covered, <laughs> yeah, everything's exactly. good to go. down there. <laughs> yeah. And they loved it. It'd be like all night long, because they'd work on their bikes and set up these floodlights yeah. and stuff. and. I mean, it's loud and pe drinking and fighting. They worked on and, their bikes in the rooms, right? Oh, yeah. They'd pull their bikes inside. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, they'd have doors like this, not fancy like this, but, I mean, and they'd just... And, you'd and who's going to tell them anything? Yeah, <laughs> Nobody, I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd be in my Murphy bed at like 4.30 in the morning, and I'd hear this... Oh, wow. And they're down, and sometimes they'd be down there burning out on the floor down oh, there and goodness. stuff. How many other people lived in the building? Oh, there were probably 15, 20 people in the building. Uh, and it's like... Did 10, everybody get along? Oh, no, no, But nobody no, said anything. No, 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 nobody <laughs> said anything. Yeah, you got exactly. to go to sleep at some point, right? Yeah. So yeah. Gonna, yeah. Wow. yeah, nobody said anything. There was a lot of attrition in that building. People <laughs> yeah, sure, would sure. move in, move out, move in, yeah. move out. Wow. Like, uh, no, there's no trains go by, no traffic, nothing. You'll be fine to get in. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if, if they came to look at the room at like three in the afternoon, it was great because uh -huh. they were all asleep or gone. Right? Uh, they come back at eleven o'clock at night. It's like, what the hell? Where I was? Is this the wow. same place I rented this yeah. afternoon? Wow! So Zeppelin, that was the soundtrack. That yeah. was that's what was coming out of this. That that was that brings you back there. Yeah, it does, boy. Because in you know, in the springtime in in Kansas City, you know, from like April. All the way through October, it's really nice in the evenings out. You know, we'd be out and speakers out mm -hmm. and food and stuff, hanging out, playing. Yeah. It was great. Uh, yeah. Hey, it sounds like a good time to me, man. It was yeah. a good time. <laughs> when we moved here, too, 
You know the story of Led Zeppelin in the Chateau Marmont? No. They're the guys that, they speaking of Harleys, they rode their Harleys up the stairs of the Chateau and into the lobby. Oh, wow. And parked them. They used to, and they tried to kick them out once, and they were like, nah. It's not happening. Yeah. Wow. Nobody does rock star shit like that anymore. No, I mean, they think they do, but. No. Driving your Harley into a fucking hotel that's on the second story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a pretty good climb there to drive yeah, a Harley it's up. it's steep. Yeah, you got to want to get up those steps on yeah. a Harley. Or We're going to try it. really fucked up. I know yeah. a couple guys <laughs> you, that can do it. You don't, you, you don't want to be iffy about that. No. You get halfway up. Yeah. That Harley's 750 pounds. Yeah. If you stop, you start going backwards, you yeah. got a problem. Yeah. <laughs> you got a big problem. Yeah. Just take the elevator. Yeah, yeah. trust me. Yeah. I know. <laughs> oh, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. Heard about that little motorcycle. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> My motorcycle keys are buried somewhere on the property. <laughs> So I get to ask each of you one song, like what was you had to define this along the way. What what was your what was one of your favorite songs? All right. Well, there was a song Nirvana smells like Teen Spirit. Really? Yeah. And I'll tell you why. Seriously, I, yeah, Nirvana? Yeah, and it, but I it's would got, never have guessed that let you me were tell you, pick Nirvana. But let me tell you. I mean, I get it. Well, I mean, well, I, well, we're talking about, it's, it's not quite a favorite song, yeah. but it was like a defining moment in my life was well, this song. Well, that's what I meant, a yeah. song that, that, that I was, wrote um, on the slate of who you are. Yeah, well, see, I was always, I always listened to rap music growing up, so it was always like a thing, and I would be on the bus going to school, and I had my headphones on, all the kids had their headphones on and stuff, and then... um I really liked this song when Nirvana first came out. You know what I mean? I was like, man, this is a... It was just... Because I was into sound more than music. Because that's, that's just always been my path since I was a yeah. kid. I always was into the, the why things happened. You know what I mean? Versus the actual music of it for a while. You know, so I loved the way that, that sounded. So to me, it was very exciting to me. But I remember being on the bus and listening to it loud. And I remember the kids were making fun of me. They're like... I remember the kids saying, man, if I was, if I was like that, I would kill myself or something like that. And I was like, what are you, you know, what are you talking about? You know what I'm saying? Like, what, what, like I was, what the hell is this guy's problem? So uh, what I, that's not the way I said it. I'm being nice, but you know, <laughs> go, go fuck himself. But it was like, um, but it was at that, but you know, we actually got into a fight over it on the bus. I was like, dude, you know, what, what, what's your problem? You know, what, 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 you, what the fuck, what's your problem? He's like, no, nah, just, you know, you look like an idiot, this and that, you know, because it was a new sound, you know, that the that whole grunge thing was just yeah. starting to happen, you know? Brand new. Yeah, so we literally got into a fist fight on the bus about it, and I got my ass kicked pretty bad, actually. And then, um, but I remember my father being like, what, what's the, what the fuck, you know, what, what's, what the hell, what, what happened, you know, what is going on? And I was just like, well, no, I'm not going to, you know, the guy's making fun of me, he's giving me a hard time, what am I supposed to do? He's like, no, no, yeah. you're right. He's like, but what, but what, over a fucking song? Like, what's the matter? Like, you're suspended now, what are you doing? So it was, um, that, that was a song that kind of made me realize I didn't give a shit. You know what I mean? Like I was a junior in high school. I'm still in the, well, I was a sophomore. I'm sorry. And uh, I remember I just didn't give it, like that, that song was defined, defined that time for me. Because after that, first of all, people in school respected me because this guy was kind of a bully and I fuck, yeah. I gave him my best, kick my ass, but I definitely, <laughs> yeah, I definitely got tried. a couple in there. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but yeah, after that, I kind of realized like, I don't give a shit what everybody says. You know what I mean? Like. I still listen to rap music. I listen to doo wop music because my father's a singer. That's that's what he did. But I really like this rock stuff. I love the way it sounded. It made me feel good. It was it was a cool time. You know what I'm saying? So for me, it was kind of like it kind of made me realize I don't give like I don't care what this guy thinks. That guy thinks. I'm just I enjoy the music of it. You know what I mean? So that. So that, what appealed to you about it? It was it was more just <clears throat> like you know when you look at the guys. I didn't look like any of them. It wasn't like it wasn't yeah. like damn. I want to feel like a rocker. But to me, it was just it was more of like the energy and also that they didn't give a shit. You know what I mean? It was kind of just like they're doing what they wanted. That song was like, it was loud. It was, you know what I mean? It was, and yeah. it was a small band, but they made so much noise. You know what I'm saying? It's like, so that, that's what really appealed to me. Cause, cause, and then I, that's when I was starting to get into sound too, you know, the, my career. So I was starting to understand why things did the, what they did. And that's, that was my initial appeal to it. Damn, it sounds so cool. It was more of a technical thing. You know what I mean? But yeah. then, and then the music, you know, kind of led me, you know, to where I am today. So that, that was definitely part of it. Yeah. But I remember that vividly, man. That kid kicked my ass so bad. <laughs> I tried, man. I That's tried. like the perfect soundtrack to getting your ass kicked. No, off. yeah, no. I'm not, but the best part was too, because it was still playing really loud. And through my headphones, they were on the floor. The kids yeah. pounding me out on the bus. Boom, boom, boom. And I could still hear it, actually. Yeah. So it's funny you say that. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> what about you, man? Me? I don't know. I have so many. I think, <clears throat> I think one big one for me 
that's kind of along, like, it's kind of like through a few years. It lasts through a few years, the memories with this song. is It's the used, A Taste of Ink. It was like their biggest song they ever had. But for me, it was kind of like right when I started playing guitar or started getting good enough at guitar to play other songs. Mm -hmm. And this song, it was just like, it was kind of easy to play, but it was like so hard and so like emotional that everybody that listened to it, like you'd have mosh pits like Mm -hmm. in the parking lot at school when everybody was playing this song out of their their trunk or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then it just became, they became one of my favorite bands and I would go see them anytime I could and I would always watch their videos and they're behind the scenes and they had, they were working with this guy that had discovered them. His name was Craig Aronson and then they had, um, John Feldman was making the songs and then Bert was the singer and he was a fucking maniac. He was so cool. Mm-hmm. And then I was just like, that's the band that I want to like, I want to be that band uh-huh. when I get good enough to be in a band. And so sure enough, as soon as I started playing with other people, that was one of the first songs that we learned. It was terrible. <laughs> like we could barely make it through the song. Uh-huh. I'm sure he heard it like 30 times through the door. Yeah, But we could barely make it through that song. And when we finally got all the way through, it was like, oh, was like, oh <laughs> we did it. We did it. Crushed yeah, it was right. like we made it. And then, you know, fast forward like, probably 10 years after that. And uh, I met Craig Aronson, the wow. guy who discovered them. And he turned out to be a huge fan of the band I was in. Oh, really? And wanted to help us. And then he hooked us up with John Feldman, who produced and co-wrote that whole album. Cool. Who was like super helpful. And like wrote, I wrote a song with him and recorded a song with him. And then like two months later... We got the call that we got to fucking open an entire tour with the Sick. used. Wow, dude. And so I'm like just like starry eyed and like jaw dropped and I like I've got my backstage pass that says the used. Wow. And I walk into the venue the first day and I open the door to sound check and they're playing that song. <laughs> and it was just like the perfect moment and I'm just like, Oh my god. I had to I had to run back to our bus because uh-huh. I was like I was so excited and so like it just hadn't kicked in yet that I was opening for one of my favorite bands. Right. So I ran back to my bus to tell everybody on the bus, like, they're playing Taste of Ink. They're playing Taste of Ink. Nobody else in my band cared as much. <laughs> they were like, oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. no, I'll see it later. Great. I was yeah. like, okay. Yeah. And so I run back out of the bus to see more of Soundcheck. And on the way by, I passed Bert. And he looked at me and he was like, hey, man, thanks for coming out and doing this. And he like set it as a peer. And I was just like, that moment for me was like, Oh my god! Did you did you tell him that this is why you play music? We did later, like uh-huh. later on in the tour. We he turned out to be one of the nicest, coolest dudes, and um, we had our trailer down, <clears throat> and it was after we had played and bef- uh, before they played. There was a middle band, and so I was just kind of sitting on a road case, hanging out, and he was in the back smoking a cigarette, like wandering around, and uh-huh. I was too nervous to say anything to him. You know, I didn't want to bother. I, th- I figured he was doing something right. And he like saw me and like beelined it over to me and he was like, Hey man, that show that fucking rock and roll, man. And I was just like, that's all he had to say. Yeah. I was wow. just like, it's enough approval for me. I'm I'm good. <laughs> You're like, uh, uh. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I didn't know what to say. <laughs> yeah, at that for point. sure. Yeah. I could imagine. But from day one, minute one, you've played music for the sake of playing it, wouldn't yeah. you say? Yeah, for sure. It's the it's the passion for the music. Yeah. The fun of playing it. Yeah, exactly. Which is why I liked him so much, because he was notorious for going so crazy on stage you'd have to go in the corner and puke oh really yeah which was partially because of the drugs and alcohol uh-huh. but you know he was he would have so much fun he, he was, he was into it. Cra- he was going yeah, all in that, yeah. Not, yeah we had that conversation too where he was like man y'all just have fun uh-huh wow but yeah it's cool man that's a great story toured but, with him twice but how would how would you describe your currency i mean some people some people go into it because they want to be famous. Mm-hmm. You know, they look at a rock star and say, I want to feel like he looks. Right. I want to feel like they behave or they look. And then some people do it for the money. Mm-hmm. And then some people do it for the just the artistry. Some people do it for the, the passion of the music, just how they feel when they do it. 
there's all kinds of currency, and it's not like one's better than the other. Right. One's right, one's wrong, or whatever. Right. But everybody has a different kind of currency. Yeah, totally. You know, what's your current? Why do you do it? What's your currency? Um, I think at first, because I started with, I started learning punk rock songs and Nirvana songs mm -hmm. because they were easy. But I would get into that and watch videos of their shows and listen to the the recordings that were supposed to be perfect in other music and had mistakes and stuff in it, right. you know, and they yeah. would like leave them in there and leave the imperfections. And then you'd watch the videos and they were just having so much fun. It's part of a feel and it's a vibe. Yeah. They were having so much fun. And then you could see the direct connection to the amount of fun that they were having. Mm -hmm. Just like shoot into the audience and the audience would like have their same amount of fun. Yeah multiplied times 10 and i don't know there was something about being the reason that people have fun yeah that to me was just so cool right off the bat and not not because they looked at you like a party animal or anything but just to be able to give somebody that excitement the that they're yeah. wanting so bad to like to be the vessel for that excitement and the release and the just kind of forgetful 45 minutes to two hours, however long you're playing, mm -hmm. to me was one of the the funnest things that you could imagine doing for other people. Well, sure. Because I would go to shows and the same thing would happen. As soon as the lights went off, it was like, it was like somebody hit another switch that just like made you tingle, you mm -hmm. know, like just... Beyond it, excited is not even a good word. You might want to like, get that checked out. You feeling a tingling? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but you know, you'd like the anytime the lights go down, it's not just the screaming. It's just like that feeling right. where everybody's like, all of a sudden you're in together. Yeah, you're, you got that, and everybody's there for that purpose. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, that's cool. Yeah, but that's why you've been so successful. That's why you will be so successful is because it's the it's the exchange. It's that you get high on the music and mm -hmm. and making other people enjoy it. Because if if you're there to make other people have a good time, I mean that. I mean, <laughs> yeah. If that's that your works. goal and you're doing it, then it's yeah. like that's yeah. the most pure form of artistry I think that and, there is. You and know what nobody, I'm saying? Yeah. Nobody can have fun if you're not having fun. So. Yeah. To me, my, oh, you have fun. Yeah, a little you bit. You have fun. Yeah. <laughs> my cue for when a when a band has kind of run its course growing up has always been when we all stop having fun. Because if you ever go on stage and don't have fun, it's somebody notices. Yeah, and then somebody notices that they noticed, and then somebody notices. You know, it's yeah. just it keeps going. <clears throat> it's got to be organic. Oh, they do it with me. If like on my show, if if I don't want to do a show, yeah, even though. Like I'll tell a producer, I don't really want to do this. Say, yeah, you do. No, I don't. Yeah, you do. No, I don't. And I do it anyway. I'll go out and give it a hundred percent. Not mail it in. Give it a hundred percent. You look at the message boards. Be a thousand messages on there saying he didn't want to do that show. Yeah, they know. Oh, people, people are, feel it. People do. are lie detectors. Yeah. It's they, crazy. They know it. So why did you decide to do what you're doing? Because you have such a profound impact on the end product. But it's all behind the scenes. Yeah, you know, it's. I mean, that's great because I was just going to say to Jordan, I, I, I learned early on about the music and and the sound of it, you know, and because uh, my father being a singer, I watched his life, but I also knew I didn't want that. So, but I, but I love music, you know what I mean. So I wanted to be a part of it, but I never wanted to be bothered. <laughs> I'm kind of a shy, like my friends that they know I'm a clown, I'm a joking around, I'm always talking, yelling loudest person in any room but I'm really shy you know like I get embarrassed so my thing was always what can I do with music where nobody knows who I am <laughs> I don't have to talk to a million people and by the way I could sit in a room by myself <laughs> you know what I mean so it's like that that was my path to it I, I knew right away that music was something that was going to be part of my life and I and I enjoy because my thing is when a song you know, when I mix a record, I could hear a, a bad, if you go out to a nightclub, a song that's mixed poorly, you can look at the crowd and they can tell. You know what I mean? It's a feel yeah. thing. So it's the same type of thing that you were just talking about, Jordan. It's kind of like, I like to move people. I like to bring, make people excitement. You know what I mean? But, but even further than that, I like to have the artist, I like to, I like to accomplish what the artist was trying to do that maybe they can't. I'm looking at myself as an extension. You know what I mean? So like, 
you know, even one of Jordan's songs, you know, this is what I was trying to do, but just, I'm not feeling it so much. Or I love, I love making songs that he might not even like anymore. His favorite, you know what I mean? Like, I really enjoy yeah. that, that, that like, it, it, it gets did. me, yeah, it gets me, no, it gets me high. Like, it's like, you know, I like, I hate this song. Yeah. Okay. I'll show you. Boom, boom. Yeah. And then you hear, they hear it and they're like, holy shit, it's amazing. You know, it's like, so yeah. that's my input into the song. But at I'm the same time. I'm not going to say which song of mine yeah, you just no, did that with, about, yeah. but he literally <laughs> just sent one back that I was, I was like yeah. on the fence about. And he sent it back after blowing your speakers out. Yeah. That was expensive. And, and I was like, <laughs> I, to, I wasn't bullshitting. I told him, I was like, this has just moved up the list. Yeah. Like, but that's a great feeling. All 10 spots. Yeah. And so I chose that path because I really enjoy the music, but. I don't want to be a singer. I don't want to play an instrument. I just want to. I want to. I want to help people with their art. You know what I mean. So that that's been my path. Yeah, but I, I would have never even thought of that as a path, mm-hmm. as as a thing. Yeah. Uh, until I heard one of Jordan's songs, uh-huh. and then heard the remix of the song, uh-huh. and I liked the song to begin with a lot, and then when I heard it remixed. It was just, it came to a point where there was that punch here, that pop uh-huh. there, yeah. that where it just, it like came up off the page, came up off the yeah. off the ground so much more. And it's got to be really satisfying to take something that's really good and make it so much better. David Foster always says, good is the enemy of great. Yeah. And that's taking something that's really good and making it great. That's got to feel good to do. No, it does. Yeah, and thank you. But yeah, but no, it's it does feel good. I enjoy well, I didn't it. even know it was a thing until uh-huh. yeah, until he introduced me uh-huh. to you and I started listening because I mean I know what mixing is, but I didn't know that it was like a really crucial part. art form yeah. where you change no, the totally. signature of a song. Sure, sure. I always when people ask me to describe mixing, and you probably have a better way to describe it, but I always say like. The recording process is, is is building the room, mm-hmm. and then you put all the furniture in there mm-hmm. and give it to you, and then you put all the furniture in the right spot. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, you don't have a pile of stuff. You've yeah. got a you've got like a well organized bedroom. Oh, listen, a beautiful girl looks even more beautiful when she's got the makeup on. You know what I mean? And she's all dressed up, you know? So that's kind of how I look at it. I'm a, I'm a beautiful girl maker. <laughs> well, you're like, we should call you weird science. <laughs> makeup artist. Well, if I haven't already, let me completely kill your podcast by giving you some really boring information. There are 26 bio sounds in the human body. Uh-huh. 26. Okay. And so if if you have a disease or you're trying to get a return to health, this sound therapies can have a huge impact on how the body responds. And so there are these 26 sounds within the body that the body really responds to. And I was we were talking about that the other day uh, with this colleague of mine, Frank Lawless, who is really into this stuff. I mean, he like beats gourds and all kinds of stuff from mm-hmm. the from the Amazon River and talks the, to shamans. He's the coolest weird guy in the world. Yeah, oh, okay. he okay. really yeah. is. And and I mean, he he like goes into hospitals and beats on drums and stuff for you know people that are dying. And all of a sudden, they get up and jog out of the hospital. Wow. Uh, <laughs> and and I, and I was thinking about you when we were talking about that because. There are certain things in this, you know, the, this whole spectrum of of sound uh-huh. where you hit certain things that just resonate. Just, yeah. You just hit them, boom, 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 and they resonate. And if you don't, they don't. I mean, right. it's just that simple. Yeah. yeah. No, and I definitely. Um, it's funny. I mean, I never. What you're just telling me, I didn't know that that existed, which kind of is embarrassing because this is my life. You know <laughs> what I mean? But, but, um, I definitely know certain things do certain things to your body. Like I know yeah. certain frequencies, they make your ear vibrate a certain way that brings you, you know what I mean? I know these things, but I'm yeah, going to have to look into this. Well, eh? you know more about it than the people that know about the 26 sounds. You just <laughs> know about it in an applied way. Right. Uh, so it makes a huge, huge difference. Wow. 
I'm gonna look into that, man. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you something. Yeah. About it. It's really cool. That so now really I made cool. now cool. I made it boring because I had to be clinical. <laughs> so I, I screwed it up for everybody. <laughs> it's okay. We'll delete it. Yeah, we'll delete it. Yeah. Matter of fact, let me delete that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can cut that out. So I have one more song. If you want, you oh, said yeah. three. I came with. Come on, we're I, ready. I came with more than three, but yeah. I, I cut it down to three. This is all we're doing today. Yeah. And my my third one, actually. Uh, has two has two iterations. Um, it not to bury the lead. Um, it's a change is going to come. Oh wow! Uh, by it originally was by Sam Cook in 1964. Although I didn't discover discover it until uh, probably a year later. Um, it'd been out for a year, and then uh, Seal recorded it again. Um, maybe three or four years ago, mm-hmm. and with David Foster, and I was there when he recorded it, and it's one of the coolest music videos ever. Mm-hmm. And there's nobody in the music video but Seal. Mm-hmm. I always make fun of him because he loves the video so much. Yeah, it's, it's like his smells like Teen Spirit yeah, video. He'll it. play this anytime. It's, it's it bl- is good. I'm not saying it's not good. It's black and white. It's so simplistic. You know that. For me, the definition of an elegant solution is one that is so simplistic it's like got one moving part. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Bill Lear that uh, invented the Learjet, his famous saying was, if you don't put it in, it can't break. And, I mean, that's what I think about with the, the Seal music video. There's, like, no, there's no distraction. It's, you're yeah. looking at what it is. You're yeah. looking the, at lighting the, seal. Is, yeah. the lighting is awesome, though. Yeah. yeah, and I think the mix is really good. I'd love to yeah. see what you think about the I'll, mix. I'll check it out. I'll check it out. Uh, but it's a, great, it's a great version of the song. But um, David Foster doesn't have chumps mix his songs, no. though. So, yeah. No, that's uh, true. It's pretty on point. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Probably sounds very expensive. Yeah. So. <laughs> but I heard that song for the first time. Um, when we had first moved to Kansas City, and uh, when we first moved there, uh, I have three sisters, uh, Dina, Donna, and Brenda, and I'm the only boy. And we moved from Oklahoma City to Kansas City, but we were we were broke, and I mean we were what broke wants to be when it grows up. <laughs> I mean, no money. And so my dad got it. He had gone back and gotten his PhD, and he had to do an internship at Kansas City General. And they paid $350 a month, and you were not allowed to moonlight. Oh, wow. Uh, so that's it. That's that's what you had. That's it. That's uh, all you got. And So family of five. Why would they not allow you to moonlight? There's just the so rules. So you weren't tired or something, Yeah, because you had to work like 90 hours a week. I mean, wow. all your time was there. And so we, it comes time to go to Kansas City, and we can't take the whole family. Uh, so my mother, who you know is grandma, um, and Dina, Donna, and Brenda had to all stay back in Oklahoma City <clears throat> where they were all living together. Mm-hmm. And he had to take me with him to Kansas City because I was getting in a lot of trouble uh-huh. in Oklahoma City, a lot of trouble. <laughs> and so he said, there's no way I'm leaving you here without a man mm-hmm. around, a male around to kick your ass, <laughs> to guide you. Sure. Because if you're here with just your mother, you're going to be wild. Gonna be gone. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd, Already been suspended from all extracurriculars, couldn't play football my freshman season. And so he said, you got to come. So we head to Kansas City. And when we get there, he has to go to the University of Missouri for like a month to complete something. And so I'm in Kansas City and we have nowhere to live. Wow. So I'm homeless in Kansas City for the first month we're there. And I mean, just homeless. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a car, but he had to take it with him. Right. So I'm just on the street. And uh, when he came back, we were able to get um, 
a room at the Y downtown mm-hmm. is for like it was either five bucks a night or five bucks a week i don't remember what it was <laughs> but it was not not it wasn't great mm-hmm. it was it was four walls the, the bathroom was down the hall and the shower had eight out eight inches of water standing in it oh. i mean it was just <laughs> disgusting yeah everybody else's water yeah. Uh, yeah but i was living on the street and i'd get up every morning off the street and get a job mm-hmm and which is why I always tell people, if you want to work, you can work. Yeah. But you just get on one end of the street, you just go in the door and say, you need work done mm-hmm. today? And they say, well, like, what? As well, you got a storeroom that needs cleaning out? Whatever. You need yeah. weeds out of your back parking lot? You need What do you need? Yeah. When can you start? Now, right I'm now. Here. I'm here right now. Let's go. I'm here. Yeah. And they'd say no. And I'd say, all that stuff in the... Stocked up in the back there. You don't need that cleaned up. Man. Well, yeah, I guess you could do that. Okay, so you do that, and you get five bucks. That means you can go get something to eat. All right, sold. I'm in. Yeah, and uh, and I I heard that song play for the first time then, and uh, it really spoke to me. Sure, because I mean the first line of the song is I was born by the river mm-hmm. in a little tent. And I was thinking, man, I would love to have a little right. <laughs> and, man, uh, yeah. but it, it But it was a song of hope. A change is going to come. Yeah. And I, I heard that song, and I kept thinking, okay, you know. Keep a, pushing. A, a change is going to come. Wow. A change is going to come. You just got to. And, the, you know, people talk about being homeless and think about, oh, yeah, it's horrible, scary, it's this, that. The worst thing about being homeless is it's boring. There's not, you got day, nothing to do. The you have nothing. days are long. Yeah. I mean, you get even if you get a job and you're downtown, the store's closed downtown at five, right? And then you've got like yeah, the whole rest of the sixteen took, hours yeah, to the next morning, day, yeah. and you get in a fight every day. Uh-huh. <laughs> not, I mean, you don't get in a fight a couple times a week. You right. get in a fight every day because there's somebody that wants your shoes, right? Or your jeans. <laughs> and you're like, this is all I got. Whatever, this is all day. I got. Yeah. Somebody's going to come every day. Wow. Uh, so that song really defined that. And, you, you know, you think about a song like that, you think, oh, that would bring up such bad memories. Right. Why would you like that song? Is it brings up such bad memories. <clears throat> it doesn't bring up bad memories because I look back on that and say, I observed myself get through that just fine. Yeah. And... So I learned about myself during that time. I thought, you know, hell, I can do that. That's why I've never been afraid of being poor. I can do poor. Right. You did it. I can do poor. Not the I'm scariest not, thing I'm in the ne- world. I've never played the game of life with sweaty palms because I've been poor. Mm-hmm. I can I can be poor. Uh-huh. That, I can do that. I know, I know how to do that, so I've never been afraid of it. And so I look back at that. That's not a bad time in my life. That uh-huh. was a interesting time. <laughs> Interesting time, character building time. That's, that's what I was going to say. It song. made you. It made you who you are, and that song yeah. helped you get through that time yeah. to who you are. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I got a funny fact about that song. Random. Ran what? totally random. That is the most I found out a few years ago. One of my clients wanted to sample that song. Oh yeah. I, and yeah. and it was denied. And um, the estate said um, that's actually well. The estate that said no, they get requests all the time. But the legal team at the record label said that's actually the most. Requested song I to be, be sampled. I believe that. Really? Yeah, and uh, it's it's never gets cleared. So seal. I mean, do you know seal what part of it? The, well, no, just the the actual the change is going to come. The whole it's oh, been a long okay. time coming. So, yeah. I, but I know I think that's you know whatever the lyric. Yeah. I'm probably saying it wrong, but no, that's yeah. but um that that section of it is the most requested. One sure, of, yeah. I totally believe and, that, and it's uh, and it's denied, you know, constantly. Yeah. You know, they say they never clear it for anybody. So David and uh, Seal obviously have different connections. You know, than, than <laughs> <Yeah>. the majority. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess if you're going to let somebody do it, put it in good hands. Well, yeah, for sure. He definitely did yeah. it justice. Absolutely. Well, they could make a fortune off of that. Well, yeah, you would think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. <clears throat> That's crazy. Yeah. yeah, but Sam Cooke did a great job with it, but then. Uh, Seal killed it. I yeah. thought he did a great job with it. Yeah, amazing. Seal's version is is awesome. Well, yeah. Seal's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So everybody look that up. Yeah. So he said he's got a list of songs. You got another one you want to share? It's well, up to you. I no, I, no. I mean, I, I don't know how much time we have. No, you. I wrote down <laughs> songs that I, that just really stuck with me. Um, Somebody yeah. told me you're a big uh, Kid Rock fan. I am a big Kid Rock fan. Um. 
And I know Kid Rock, and he's a really good guy. Uh-huh. Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> he introduced, I met him, when I met him, I so badly wanted him to introduce himself as Kid Rock. And all I got was Bob. Bobby. Hey, Bob. I'm Bob. Not Robert. No, Bob. Bob. He introduced himself to me as Bob, my brother as Bob, but then Erica is Bobby. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> he's a rock star, man. What do you, I like, know, what yeah. do you want, dude? <laughs> yeah, I think, I, I think he's great. I think he's hugely talented. Oh, yeah. I, I think he's amazing. I think a lot of people don't realize how talented he is. Yeah, and he hasn't done a lot lately. Picky. I, I don't know why. Uh, but I wish he would. But mm. I mean, uh, that that one album had like ten major yeah. hits. On oh it. yeah, I mean, because they just released the greatest hits too, right? So yeah. maybe that maybe that's a sign that something's coming. I don't know. I hope so. It's got to be. I'm sure <laughs> at this point it's just that he doesn't have to do anything unless he really really loves it. So well, I'm more than pretty... sure he made plenty of money. He maybe he's just perfecting some songs. Yeah, you know? exactly. So, yeah. Wow. So yeah. what else you got in that list of yours over there? Well, you know, there there was an era, I mean, for me, where I was, like, really going to concerts like you do now. I was going to Jefferson Airplane and Janis Joplin. See, I wish your list of concerts that you got to go to, your list of concerts that you probably passed up Mm -hmm. are probably the concerts that I would, like, kill to go to now. Like, I went to Janis Joplin. Yeah, exactly. I mean, probably four or five times. Come on. And... Sometimes, and I mean, I, I went to the concerts where it really is true, where she would have a bottle of whiskey on her belt, and she was not, uh, she was not inhibited in any way. I mean, she was just raw and passionate. And um, Mercedes Benz was one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. Oh Lord! What a voice! Won't you buy me? It was. It started out being Big Brother and the Holding Company, and then it was Janis Joplin and Big Brother and the Holding uh-huh. Company. Then it was just Janis Joplin. Yeah. I first saw her when it was just Big Brother and the Holding Company, oh, wow. and that was a little piece of my heart. It was mm-hmm. a yeah. big, big song. What a song! And then um, that was one of my really kind of life-changing songs. It was at a time where um, it was really living and being independent, and then she had a song, Me and Bobby McGee, mm-hmm. uh, oh, yeah. which was written by Chris Christopherson. Oh, really? Yeah. Chris Christopherson that. wrote that song, huh. uh, but she sang it. Me and, and my Bobby Which has got one of the greatest lyrics in the history of songwriting. Uh, freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. Wow. That's so, awesome. It's one of the best yeah. song lyrics ever. Freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. Yeah, that's, that's I mean, wow. <laughs> Think about that. That's pretty cool. Windshield yeah. wipers slapping time. <laughs> I didn't know Chris Christopherson wrote that. Yeah, hmm. he's a great I want to hear him sing it, too. Yeah. I'm he, sure that's And he there. has. Uh, but, you know, that was really, really great. So I, I I love that kind of music back then. But all right, you've milked my favorite songs, boys. That's, That's all, all you're right. getting out of me. That's it. You're out of here. Well, thanks for doing it, even though you're kind of biologically required to. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it was really fun to think about this. I think you've got a great concept here for this podcast. I hope you keep doing it. We will. We will. Thank you. I like just sitting around and thinking of my own songs. Mm-hmm. I like confusing people. Yeah. Like you had yeah, no idea. You're like, why did, yeah, did you really say that? Yeah. Now, you understand that there's a certain, uh, don't turn that off no, no, yet. No, I'm not, I was just. He's saving. You, you have to understand that there's a certain, um, that there's a certain brotherhood in podcast land. Mm-hmm. I do you, you have to come do me. Oh, all right. We're there. So I do your podcast, you have to come do mine. Let's do it. He might make you cry. I'll try not to. Well, I have tax I put in your chair. You sit on tax. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do it. Yeah, for sure. All right. We're in. We're in. All right. Thanks for having me, boys. Thanks for coming. Bro, that was amazing. That was good, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Dude, he's so cool. <laughs> well, it's it's weird to say your dad's cool, but after that conversation, yeah, he, he got a little. He got, he he got, got some points. Yeah, he gave he some, some points. Cool points. All right, man. This was a fun one, though. Yeah. Definitely, man. Definitely. Next week too, though. <sighs> Next week's a big one, man. Yeah, it is. Your boy. Yeah, push a T. Yeah, he's an animal. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he's an he's, animal. His, he's got a very like a very unique way of telling his stories. Yeah, that I think everybody's gonna love. Man, it's gonna be dope, man. Yeah. Make sure you tune in next week. King Push is in the building. Boom. Tracks of Life. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.